contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. It's football and other F-words. Welcome in. Michael Gillum and Michael Herndon are here with you today. Zach Lyons is taking the day off because he needs to finish moving. Uh, If this recording sounds a little interesting today, it's because we recorded the podcast and the radio show using one audio today. So you'll immediately hear in my cold open that I completely butcher and catch myself off guard after telling Michael Herndon that I was going to open the show with no intro. So uh, hope you enjoy. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm trying to start this off like I'm clearly not recording another <laughs> another intro for this podcast later. For those that are listening, we we, the, we do a podcast, obviously. We also do a radio show as well. So uh, no, not three seconds after I just got done telling Michael that I was going to do this, Zoom lets us know we're recording and I lose complete composure. <laughs> this is probably why I'm never going to be allowed to be on the radio professionally. But um we want to talk about Titans minicamp, which I found to be more enjoyable than I thought I would. I get to this point with like OTAs minicamp where the the cynical person in me is like, okay, we're watching guys, you know, work out and run drills and non-contact, but maybe it's the Julio hype and I'm reading into it too much, but I really, really enjoyed watching the footage that was coming out of uh, minicamp yesterday. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it too, and I, I think part of it is that I know what's coming next is that long lull between uh, mandatory minicamp and training camp, and there's just going to be nothing. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a chance we could get some roster transaction news and stuff like that sprinkled in there, but uh, obviously no players on an NFL field for about six weeks uh, after this. I think, uh, I think training camp starts July 27th. So you've got a nice, yeah, month and a half uh, dead period coming up after, um, you know, Wednesday this week. So it, soak it in now. Enjoy it while you, you can see these guys running around because uh, it's going to be gone for a little bit. And then uh, and then once training camp gets here, though, it's full gas. I, right. I, I love training camp. Training camp will be good. I was uh, I saw this morning on Reddit is 85 days until the opening of the 2021 season. I hope that's correct because either that I'm just repeating lies on the internet, but <laughs> but 85 days and it's going to feel like 85 days between the end of minicamp and the opening of training camp. It always is. I mean, by the time we get two weeks in, we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, what what vegetable is your favorite Titans wide receiver? I don't know. But <laughs> speaking of Titans wide receivers, Julio Jones continues to show up and and look like the the superstar that we thought he would again minicamp but still you could just see by the way he runs by the way he turns and catches the ball the cuts he was making uh, he's he's a different level of wide receiver and he knows it and and he should look that way about out yeah and and i think he uh he carries himself kind of that with that confidence i mean he he knows what he's done in this league and who he is and and i think that's obvious in the respect that the other guys have in the locker room for for him is obvious too which i think is exciting to see i mean it, it's kind of one of those things where um he's the kind of guy that can inspire confidence not only on the offense but also on the defense like i i feel like when you you know it, it can be oversold 
um, a little bit what a what a star can do. But if you look at you know the really high level guys when they come in, a lot of times you know you, you'll see it's just you can it feels different around the team, right? There's a buzz, and there's definitely a buzz with this Titans group now, and I think that helps keep keeps guys motivated. It's gonna help keep guys motivated in training camp when it's, you know, 98 degrees and 130% humidity uh, in Nashville in uh, July. And, you know, they're out there, uh, you know, dragging through uh, two hour practice and full pads and, and trying to, you know, install the, the offense and the defense and going through everything. I think it's going to keep them going a little bit, looking over and seeing Julio doing Julio things. Um, and, and there's a photo floating around on the internet i tweeted it out last night um of of julio jones skying up to go catch a pass in the end zone it's one of the credit to uh donald page the titans photographer who got the shot because it is uh really a breathtaking picture um as breathtaking as a (laughs) uh (laughs) no it is photo can be but it, it is awesome and and of course you know the the people who are out there of course that you know yes he he did make the catch he lands on his back i guess there was a moment where it felt like dead silent and then he springs back up and everybody's like wow you know and, and the the chatter and buzz starts but i think that him making plays like that you you look over and you see that it gives it gives guys a little bit of energy um you can't help but get energized when you see somebody of his stature making plays like that in in practice i mean that's that's uh it, it's i think it has an uplifting effect on the whole team it was good to see him out also between drills, uh, chatting it up with the other wide receivers, with other players, namely wide receivers. It's good to see. And I'm certainly reading into that too much. I know I am, but, but it's just, it's good to see Julio coming in and I really want him to be the presence in the locker room that we hope he's going to be. So it's good to see him out there, you know, mixing it up and, and talking. It'll look like, you know, describing things to the other wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you want to see um, him and, and Bud Dupree talked about this a little bit in his uh, uh, press conference, but, you know, Bud Dupree used the phrase, you know, it's not just my responsibility to, to do my job when, when I'm, you know, brought in my responsibility is to bring other guys along as well and, and to help, you know, my teammates get better. Um and Bud Dupree sees that as part of his you know, job responsibility, basically. And, and I think that's healthy uh, for a veteran coming in on a big contract, a guy who's had a lot of success at the NFL level. Um, and I think Julio kind of views that as, as part of his responsibility as well. I mean, everybody that you hear um, discuss, you know, what, you know, he's done out there and what he's done in Atlanta and everything like that talks about the kind of teammate he has, he is and how he's almost an extra wide receivers coach um, for these young guys. And he's a guy who can not only tell them how to do it, but show them how to do it. Um, and, and a guy who obviously carries instant respect. I mean, the Titans are fortunate, you know, Rob Moore also played wide receiver at a very high level at the, in the NFL for years. And, you know, but you've got to say, you know, Rob Moore, while everyone can go back and look up his stats and see that, you know, yeah, he was a really good player. These young guys didn't watch Rob Moore growing up, right? I mean, it, it, Rob Moore was like, he was playing when I was a kid. Um, and, and I am older older than I think everyone on the Titans roster <laughs> at this point. So um, it, it's, 
it's certainly different when you have a guy like Julio Jones, who all these guys have watched for years and years and years and seen do it and, and kind of been in awe of, I mean, you've seen the effect that he had on AJ Brown. I think it's different when you have that guy telling you, uh, look, this is what you need to do. Here's how you need to do it. Um, and, and, you know, of course you'd hope he's, you know, in, in sync with Rob Moore, but maybe he's able to add some stuff too. Uh, you know, that, that, you know, can be helpful for these young guys and show them how to do things that that can help them get open and catch passes, which as John Robinson always likes to say is what they pay their receivers to do. So we got to see um, Derrick Henry was not on the field for OTAs, correct? And so obviously he's here for minicamp. Um, And really, no, I didn't have any other massive world-changing observations about him other than it never fails to surprise me when I see him on the field for drills or anything. He just is an animal. I mean, he just makes other grown NFL players look like children and it never fails to impress me. Yeah. He is enormous. Um, and yeah, it's, it's especially funny when you see him standing around with the running backs because the running backs are almost always like a good four or five inches shorter than him and, and probably 40 pounds plus lighter than him. Um, it just looks like a guy that's in the wrong position group. Like he, he should be a tight end or a, a defensive end, like one of one of the two and not a running back, but yeah, it's, he's, he's enormous. It's definitely good to see him back out there. Cause you got to see, uh, there were some video clips flo- floating around of him and, and Julio kind of getting to, to talk and stuff like that. Obviously they trained together in the off season. We saw videos and pictures of that, which, created all kinds of buzz back before the the Julio Jones trade went down. Um, so those guys are friends. They've got the Bama connection, obviously. Um, so I think it's there. The fact that the stars on this team already are embracing Julio Jones and, and he already seems to like them as well, I think is, is bodes well. Cause I mean, that's the team, right? I mean, it's obviously there's other leaders at other spots, but Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, those are the, the faces of the franchise right now. You know, that in, and it is not we, – we, a couple of years ago, were debating about whether or not Taylor Lewan was the face of the franchise. Oh, no yes. no uh, slide at Taylor Lewan, who is still, you know, obviously a very outspoken, very good player for them. Um in, in part of a very good offense, but he's no longer who the first guy that you think of when you think you're going to watch the Titans play football, right? I mean, he is down the list to like five or six probably, um, which is probably about where your star left tackle should be in, in, in an NFL team. So this team has stars. It, it's it's going to be fun to watch kind of all coming together. But yeah, Henry being back out there, and uh, just participating with the guys is uh, um, is nice to see. There was Janoris Jenkins out there, old Jackrabbit, um, and someone described him. And I'm failing to remember the reporter that described him as it was basically like he was out there and he's aggressive. I mean, he's yeah. really, really into it. Um, good to see that, and I'm I'm glad to hear that he's definitely living up to the Jackrabbit name. Yeah, 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 I think it was. I want to say it was Buck uh, who who had that note on uh, Twitter. But yeah, I think Jim Wyatt mentioned he had I think you know two or three pass breakups uh, during the uh, OT or during the minicamp practice. Um, and yeah, 
it looks like and sounds like Jackrabbit is kind of living up to exactly what his billing was, right? I mean, we there was a quote out there. Um, I think it was from, um, and I'm failing to remember which coach it was, uh, but there, one of his coaches with the Giants when he arrived with the Giants. And the, their quote was that when he arrived at practice, the intensity of the entire practice went up tenfold. Um, that that is just the energy that he brings. And I think he, to me, and, and it's easy to make this because veteran corner to veteran corner, um, and he's kind of almost a direct replacement for Malcolm Butler. But I feel like he is going to bring a lot of the same stuff that Malcolm Butler brought to the table. And, and the Titans... Titans fans eventually loved Malcolm Butler. Like, right, there was the rough start at the beginning, but by the end of it, I think he was one of the more popular players on the team. He produced, he played really good football for them. But more than anything, I think what endeared him to this fan base was the fact that he was feisty as hell. I mean, he he was out there in guys' faces, you know, chirping the entire game, you know, carried himself with that swagger. And I think jackrabbit's gonna be exactly in the same mold and frankly i think jackrabbit's got a little bit more speed i I know he's uh i think he's actually a year or two older than than butler is but i think he's got more speed uh more juice left in the leg so i think i think titans fans are really what i'm saying is i think titans fans are really gonna enjoy the jackrabbit experience uh he played great football for the saints last year and uh it sounds like he's bringing that same energy and intensity uh, to practice and listen, I cannot wait to see him matched up with Julio Jones and AJ Brown in practices. Cause I mean, you, you want to talk about guys making each other better. I think both sides of that equation are going to be pushing each other in camp. And and that's what you want to see ultimately is, is guys that are hyper competitive going against each other and, and the best of the best going against the best of the best. That's that. And that's what you want out of practice. The <laughs> The jackrabbit experience sounds like the pitch for a brand of mowers that you see at 1 a.m. when you need to turn off the TV and go to bed. Like yeah, that's exactly. Exactly with it. Call to get the jackrabbit experience. Your neighbors are going to be so upset. Is he? Is that a jackrabbit? I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> what Zero turn. It's, it's the return of the jackrabbit. Um, <laughs> it's many chaos already doing it to me. I'm already like getting the fear that we're not going to have any NFL news to talk about in a couple weeks. So it's, it's, it's bleeding in. Um, Bud Dupree, he had obviously not on the field, but um, he had a good uh, presser yesterday and had some, uh, had some good, direct, interesting comments. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, – I've, I've enjoyed every time I've heard Bud Dupree speak, whether that's been on uh, – he was on Jay Martin Ramon pretty early on after he signed. Um, I think he's done maybe one other uh, Zoom uh, presser, but he, he was back on again. Obviously, he's not out there on the field yet. He's still rehabbing that ACL injury. He gave a little bit of an update, just, you know, not much. He just said, you know, well – the progress is going good. I'm on track and everything. Um, but ultimately it's going to be up to them as far as when I get back out there and, and I'm able to practice. So nothing specific on that. And obviously Vrabel tells these guys do not give up a timeline on, on anything injury related. Uh, so that's, uh, that's part of kind of the, the Titans, uh, uh, <laughs> mantra it seems, but, um, debris originally, prior to maybe getting uh, brainwashed by Rabel um, had said start of training camp was his target date to be cleared for, you know, basically full 
uh, contact and everything like that. So we'll see. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of eased into training camp. Um, but it sounds like recovery is going good. But the, the thing that I took away most from his comments were they asked him, uh, there was a question about, you know, kind of his expectations and the fact that obviously the Titans struggled to get sacks last year. And, um, you know, rather than kind of give just some platitude about, well, you know, I'm just here to play, to do my job and, you know, I'm not worried about stats and stuff like that. Uh, he, he basically steered right into it and said, you know, I know what the expectations are and I'm not going to run from them. Um, you know, he said, I know I'm, I'm here to improve the pass rush. Um, that's, that's what they brought me in to do. It's no secret. Um, and he also, you know, mentioned that he's got to not only improve and, and bring what he can do, but he's got to bring other guys along with him. Um, and, and I think Dupree is definitely, uh, going to be a good leader for that group. Um, and that's going to be helpful for, uh, you know, a guy like Harold Landry, who's not necessarily a young guy anymore. He's headed into year four, but I mean, still relatively young in his NFL career, uh, certainly would be looking up to a guy like Dupree. Uh, and then Rashad Weaver, who's a rookie coming in and, and already has a pre-existing relationship with Dupree, uh, which, which uh, Dupree also talked about a little bit and, and said, you know, that he, he's really thinks he really thinks highly of Weaver and, and that he, he's going to end up being a good player for them. I think it's going to help those guys having a, a guy like that. And we talked about a little bit with Jack rabbit, having these veteran leaders and in, in not only uh, just veterans, but guys that want to come in and work, want to come in and, and bring guys along and kind of bring that extra energy every day is huge. And, and it's something that the Titans really missed last year <laughs> with their free agent signings and their draft pick. Right. I mean, we talked about it all off season and we talked about it all last year, Clowney, Beasley, Wilson, those guys came in and didn't want to work. Uh, you know, Clowney purposely didn't sign until a week before the season because he didn't want to participate in training camp. He didn't want to participate in the offseason. Um, you know, same same Beasley just didn't show up for 10 days. And Wilson, we're still waiting for him to show up. So it, it's a totally different mindset that they've brought in. And, and it's hard. You know, I know they've said multiple times now that, look, we didn't change anything with our approach it's hard not to view this as a hard right turn as a response to what happened last year. Right. I mean, like if you just look at the personalities of these guys that they're bringing in, there is definitely a response to what they had uh, spent their money on and their draft picks on last year. I 100% agree. And that was actually the next point I was going to go into. So thank you for ruining it. No, I was kidding. But <laughs> a, um, it, Wilson is sitting around waiting for a team to wish him happy birthday, but he's going to spring into action and get his button gear. But no, it, it absolutely feels, and again, conjecture, maybe we're reading into it too much, but I really don't think we are. It feels completely different from last year because I just felt like, you know, especially Clowney and Beasley, we, Beasley immediately with the crimson red flags of not being here, buying trucks, and then made a comment. One of the first comments he made was he wants to start a church. I'm not bemoaning the fact he wants to start a church, but bro, we, we didn't bring you to Nashville to start a church. We wanted you to play for the local NFL team, but it just, they just didn't feel like two guys that were in the locker room contributing. And it feels like this group that is on the field right now 
understands their roles and responsibilities, understands what they need to bring to the team and bring to the group as a whole. It's just got a different feel to it. And, and I hope that Julio Jones is and was that linchpin. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's it's definitely a different vibe this year. Um, in in look, they haven't been perfect. Like the Kevin Johnson signing, I think we talked about at the time was uh, kind of a, a eyebrow raiser, and then he retires before, before minicamp. Um, so not a hundred percent, but look, you spent two point two million dollars on him, and you're going to get all that money back. By the way, which is uh, you know a nice thing from from him retiring, um, and frankly. I think part of the reason he retired is the fact that look, they went out and they, uh, you know, brought in Jackrabbit. They brought in uh, Farley. They brought in Molden. They've got Fulton coming back. I think he saw the writing on the wall that he's going to be like, yeah, I may not even make this roster anyways. Do I really want to drag myself through, uh, you know, this, this whole off season only to be cut for bring on borders, uh, you know, at the end of the day. And uh, maybe he just decided that no, that was not worth it. Um, and and you know, a guy that's dealt with injuries in his past, so maybe it's it's something related to that too. But anyway, it's not perfect. But I really like a lot of the guys that they brought in. Mike Vrabel already talking about, uh, or Keith Keith Carter, uh, the offensive line coach, talking about Dylan Radens and saying he'll go all day. Um, like couldn't be more polar opposite than Isaiah Wilson and what we were hearing about him this time last year. Um, and, and then you've got Mike Vrabel talking about Caleb Farley and he's already talking about how he loves to coach this guy. Um, Farley hasn't been on the field of course, but from what he has done uh, in the training rooms, in the meeting rooms, it sounds like Vrabel's very excited about Farley and, and what he's done behind the scenes so far. So look, it's still early. We still got to see what these guys can do on the field and everything like that. But from a early, you know, initial impression and, and early feedback kind of situation, I, I feel like you couldn't be uh, you couldn't be much happier with what the Titans brought in this offseason from a personality and, and work ethic standpoint. All right, let's talk about your boy Hassan French. I really want this guy to succeed. But my God, he had the running style of the Iron Giant out there yesterday. Just oh my it looked, gosh. I, 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 and again, listen, full disclosure, I am an overweight white man who has not ran in years. So I, I'm not in a position to talk about people's running styles. But at the same time, I really want this guy to make the team. I want this to be a good success story. But he, he kind of looked awkward on the field yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, look, the guy is six seven. He's somewhere between, depending on which website you believe, two hundred and forty or two hundred and seventy one pounds. A um, <laughs> little bit of a gap there. Hell of a swing. <laughs> so, I mean, big dude, obviously. And and if you look at the pictures of him playing basketball, he looks like a football player playing basketball. The problem is when you look at him in these football drills, he looks like a basketball player playing football. Um, the movements were just clumsy and awkward at best. Um, look, it's a guy coming in for a tryout playing a sport he hasn't played in like at least four years, right? So I will cut him some slack. He could get a lot better. And and look, we this time last year, Paul Karski was complaining about Tier Tart not being able to hit a blocking sled and the Titans wasting their time with him. And Tier Tart has turned into someone who may actually play like technically starting, uh, like be their starting nose tackle this year. So 
a guy can improve drastically from from one period to the next and that's what you hope a guy like this does but yikes it was very stiff the way he was moving out there um and and you know he's an explosive athlete for sure but you know the movement that you have to make in basketball and in the movements that you have to make in football not always the same thing and and clearly a guy that looked like he was not totally comfortable in pads and in cleats and everything just yet so I don't know. It'll be interesting. He was he was only there on a tryout basis, anyways. He's not even technically on the roster right now, um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he gets brought back to training camp. Um, but I do like I do like that the Titans are are looking at guys from non traditional backgrounds. Like I'd rather see them bring in Hassan French and just see if he's got anything than than bring in like you know the. 180th best tight end in the NFL that we already have seen play tight end. And we know that he's not that good. Um, at least you could find potentially a guy with traits that maybe you could develop into something, you know, and that's what they're doing with Adam Kuhn too, right? The offensive lineman who was a very successful college wrestler. Um, and they've got, he's actually on the roster. So he's probably going to be at training camp and in the initial comments about him have been pretty glowing but i i like that they're at least pursuing these options because look you've heard you know some some stories of you know antonio gates obviously mo alley cox guys with basketball backgrounds that didn't play college football that came in and and have become good nfl tight ends or even great nfl tight ends you've also seen steven neal with the patriots who was a college wrestler who they brought in and ended up becoming a 10-year starter at guard for them. So you have seen stories of this working in the past, and I don't mind them spending the 89th and 90th roster spots right now on seeing if if these guys have anything because, look, they're going to cut and sign like probably 20 more guys between now and the end of training camp at those bottom of the roster positions. They just constantly churn it because they're looking to see if they've got, if they can find somebody, if they can find an Anthony Ferkser who they can kind of catch lightning in the bottle with and, and figure out a role, figure out some traits that he has that they like that they can use. Um, that is a totally healthy thing to me. And, and I know, cause I've seen this comparison made a lot already. People were saying, well, if if you like that, then why don't you like the Jaguars bringing in Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow's 33 years old, and he's played pro football before. And I just, if you're going to bring in a project, bring in a project who's 23. Because, look, you're going to have to develop this guy. I don't, I don't think Hassan French or uh, Adam Coon's going to be starting for the Titans this year. It would be a miracle if they made the 53-man roster. What you want them to be is like the 16th guy on the practice squad who you can just work with and develop and then hopefully next year maybe they make the 53-man roster and then the year after that maybe they're a starter that that's the progression plan if Tebow follows that which he's playing a brand new position uh has never played before then he's gonna be 35 years old before he's ready to contribute all right I mean that's yeah. it, that's the thing uh, it, and we already know what Tebow is yeah exactly we, we've seen enough Tebow we know what he is and I like where you're going with that because it was the exact next question I was going to bring up to you is what is the difference between what the Titans are doing and what the Jag decided to pull? And I'm going to answer this for the unwashed masses and mainly the Jacksonville mayonnaise obsessed, mayonnaise obsessed weirdos 
on Twitter. The difference is that we've already seen what Tebow is. He's had multiple chances to prove it in the NFL. Now all of a sudden he's going to play a brand new position. And if I had to choose between the two gentlemen that the Titans brought in and Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow's got about a thousand percent chance of being used on the field this year in some sort of gimmick, because that's the way I feel that urban rolls versus these two guys. You're exactly right. They're never going to start this year. If they're on the practice squad and you get some development out of them. Great. So yeah, there's a huge difference between the two. And I just, I'm not going to tolerate that argument because there's no comparison. They brought in Tebow to be a gimmick and sure enough, they're going to run him out there to be a gimmick this year. And it's going to be a one-year failure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Tebow thing feels far more gimmicky than than either of these because I mean these guys, nobody's gonna hear them. You're not gonna be selling their you know Adam Coon jerseys on NFL.com uh, and and you know getting media attention out there. You know it's it's just a different deal. It's a totally different situation with these guys. Okay, but be honest, Mike. If the Titans Pro Shop was selling an Adam Coon Titans singlet. Would you wear one? Oh, a singlet? I'm talking about the low-cut the low V that goes like halfway down your stomach singlet. I'd wear it. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's go. I mean, why not? A, a Titan singlet. I mean, really, honestly, for some of those September games when it's like 98 degrees outside. And, and I mean, I feel like that's about like that might be comfort wear, you know? I mean, just yeah. a little uh, a little breeze uh, in, into the chest hairs and, and let's go. <laughs> let's cool these mandibles off <laughs> all right let's get a singlet someone pours some water all over me <laughs> okay my god I'm, I'm trying to keep it composed for this podcast this morning and i've already said nipples and i've opened the podcast with just the worst cold open ever so let me readjust here anything else in in minicamp that you want to cover before i cut you off on this topic um I will say so in, in Toronto Davenport had a note about Mason Kinsey uh, and basically calling him uh, someone to watch uh, a player to watch as we get ready to head into training camp. And I bring that up because last week on the show, I mentioned we talked about uh, Mason Kinsey a little bit because he was working really high in the receiver rotations in these drills. And I said, it could be nothing. It could be something but usually the guys that work higher in the drills are the guys that are higher in the pecking order for, you know, whatever reason that that's kind of the, just the way that football is, you know, that's the way football drills operate. I get the sense that Mason Kinsey is going to have a real shot to push for some, some snaps in this offense, not only just a 53 man roster spot, but I think so one, and, and I talked about this last week, he has punt return ability. They're going to need a punt returner. They don't have an obvious one on the roster. Like Josh Reynolds isn't going to do it. Nick Westbrook, Akina is not going to do it. Darrington Evans has never been a punt returner. He's going to be their kick returner, but he's never been a punt returner. And those are two very different skill sets. I think Kinsey is going to have a really good shot to make the roster because of his punt return ability. And I think he's going to have a chance to factor into the slot uh, in some matchups because Josh Reynolds playing the slot is, is going to be something that I see. I think we see a lot of, I think we're going to see all those guys like AJ Brown, uh, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, all three of them rotate into the slot at points to get matchups and, and, and things like that. But Kinsey brings a little bit different skill set than those guys. All those guys are bigger, more physical. 
Uh, Kinsey's a little bit on the smaller side, but has some quickness to his game, right? I think, I think he, I do think, and I agree with TD, I think he's just someone to keep an eye on as a guy who could be a little bit of a surprise coming out of training camp. I just keep Mason Kinsey and keep your eye on him, I think. So before we move on from the Titans, do you do you expect any more roster moves? That uh, it's been heavily hinted by maybe hinted is not the correct word, but it's been heavily referenced by Jim Wyatt that he feels that the Titans are not done at the tight end position. And I believe you pointed out last night in our group chat that um, Buck had said on his uh, late show that he believes that the Titans are, are going to make a move at tight end. Do you believe that to be true? And also what direction would they go? I'm, I'm failing to wrap my head around what available tight ends out there work for this group. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do get the sense and yeah, Buck said Buck was pretty definitive about it last night saying that uh, he, he is pretty certain they are going to add a tight end, um, which is interesting because you know, there's a few guys out there. Um, I've mentioned multiple times now, and people are probably tired of me bringing it up, Delaney Walker, because I do think he makes sense for them. It, you know, if he's in shape and he still wants to play and willing to play, obviously at a cheaper price uh, than where he was the last time we saw him, uh, I think he still makes sense as a rotational guy. Um, the other options that are out there as far as free agents go, I mean, you look at Tyler Eifert's probably the biggest name, Trey Burton. You know, problem is neither of those guys are really blockers. Um, You know, they would be more in the mold of Anthony Ferkser, which I'm not sure, you know, maybe you could argue those guys are more talented than Ferkser, maybe, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. And obviously Ferkser has had a lot of success here already. So I I don't, I don't feel like they need another Anthony Ferkser. Um, Jesse James is a guy that's out there, bigger, more inline type, kind of more similar to Jeff Swaim, a uh, little bit of a plotter uh, as, a, as a runner, but did have some successful years catching the football. I think he had a 400-yard season in Pittsburgh uh, at one point, and, you know, it is a big target. They seem to like big targets uh, in this offense, so I could see him making some sense, but then obviously the big name that's out there is still Zach Ertz. And it feels like something is going to have to happen with Zach Ertz between now and training camp. You know, the, the Eagles, yeah, he wants out of Philly. The Eagles don't want his cap hit, I don't think, anymore. Um, they've been wanting to trade him, but kind of like Julio Jones, I kind of feel like the market's probably a little bit cooler than what they might have expected. Um the thing with Ertz to me, especially if you're trading for him, he comes with a big contract, big cap hit. I think it's like eight and a half million dollars, um, which is a lot. They'd have to restructure more money, kick more cans down the road into 2022 and 2023, which is going to hurt them eventually if they keep doing that to, to a great degree. Um, but Ertz also isn't a big blocker. He never has been. He's, he's again, kind of like Eifert and Burton and Ferkser. He's more of like a big wide receiver um, than he is a true tight end. You've got big wide receivers. Like, I I don't understand the fit if it's Ertz, um, honestly. 
I mean, he's still a good player. Is the offense better with him than uh, with the guys that they've got right now? Probably, you know, but is it eight and a half million dollars and some draft capital better? I don't think so. Um, so if he's released, maybe that's a different deal. Um, if they can get the Eagles to eat some of that salary and the pick is a pretty late round pick, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I struggle with the Ertz thing, and and it sounds to me from you know everything that's out there right now, OJ Howard and David Njoku are probably staying put with their current teams, despite the fact that they're kind of stuck in a log jam uh, at that position with the Bucks and and Browns respectively. But um, I don't know who that guy is. I mean, there's no clear target that makes just a ton of sense to me, like Julio Jones did with the Titans at wide receiver. Um, so I think something's going to happen because these guys seem adamant that it is. I just don't know what it is. I'm fascinated to see kind of what direction they might go. So outside of the tight end position, there is one former Titans, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> former Titans free agent that's sitting out there that I'm interested in. Dennis Kelly is still sitting out there available. Is this something, it, it, does that make any sense for the Titans at this point? Um. I don't think they'll probably go down that road. I mean, it, I, it would make some sense um, because at, at worst, he gives you another he, – he can be a swing tackle, right? We've already seen him do that. Um, and, you know, if you wanted to bump Lamb inside the guard, he could probably do that and, and give you, like, some depth at, depth at guard and, and Kelly is your swing tackle and Raiden's is maybe your starter or vice versa, however you need to – However, that shakes out, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think it would be a bad thing to have him uh, back at the right price. But yeah, it's kind of strange because he played some really good football here. He really did, right. and and I figured he would end up in Baltimore or Pittsburgh or one of these one of these teams that was looking for tackle help earlier in the offseason. But those spots have all kind of filled up uh, now, and and. I, you know, he may be a guy that's kind of sitting there waiting for somebody to, you know, you hate to say it, but waiting for somebody to get injured um, in training camp and, and then catch on there. Like, you know, kind of like Kenny Vaccaro did, uh, you know, a few years back, which obviously ended up working out great for both him and the Titans. But um, there's several guys like that because Kelly's one. Um, and then at, at the edge rush spot, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon, um, uh, Everson Griffin, like all four of those guys were productive last year in some, some form or fashion. Ingram didn't have any sacks, but he had a ton of pressures. And I know, I know Titans fans, we've heard that game before. Um, but as your third, uh, or fourth edge rusher, I, I certainly think you could do worse. He's better than Derek Roberson. Um, so there's a lot of guys out there that are interesting that they're still on the market there's a there's just a lot of veteran talent out there and it's i think it's a function of you know the cap going down these teams just don't have that much room and and a lot of teams are going with younger guys because they're cheaper um and so it'll be uh i'm interested to see it how many more moves the titans have in them because there are more moves i feel like they could make to kind of continue to bolster this team for for a super bowl run so let's take a trip down to Houston, which has decided they don't need minicamp. 
because their head coach, David Coley, basically said that they got everything they needed out of OTAs. I forget the exact phrasing that he used. It was something basically along the lines of, we saw everything we need to solve. We're good. We had a good, productive set of OTAs, so no minicamp for us. I got to know your reaction to this because this is the clown show that just won't stop, and I, I love every second of it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre, right? I mean, they are arguably the worst team in the NFL. I, I think if you looked at Vegas win total, totals, I think they are considered the worst team in the NFL. They're not going to have Deshaun Watson to start the season. Uh, you know, even if he is not suspended by the league, he is holding out. And I think part of the reason why they did cancel minicamp is because they did not want to have to face questions about Deshaun Watson, not showing up 100% uh, because he was not going to show up. So it it's uh, it, that's part of it. But also I, I do think it's just funny that they're sitting there going, no, no um, we've got like 18 new quarterbacks and we signed like 30, uh, like no name veterans who have almost no starting experience anywhere. Um, but we're good. We don't, we're, we're, we've already got it down. Um, we don't really need any extra practice. We could, we could start the season right now. We're good to go. Um, I, yeah, I, I just feel like this Texan season is going to be a slow moving train wreck and I'm totally here for it. I'm totally here for it. I'm excited to watch it. I feel like, uh, you know, Pastor Jack down there, everything that he's done to just destroy this franchise, I just want to have to – I want to see him have to stew in it for an entire year and just watch what he's done uh, unfold on the football field. Uh, and just, you know, I just want him to stew in it a little bit. It's it, You know, it'll be fun. It'll be uh, kind of cathartic for everybody, I think. Yeah, it's 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 full Jonestown now. I mean, they, they've moved to South America. Senators are about to come make an unscheduled visit on the airport. Like, I, I feel like it's about to completely go up. And but I, I'm like you. This is to me. This looks 100 percent like a move to not have to answer Deshaun Watson questions. Because okay, let me let me take Green Bay's example. We're going to come back to Aaron Rodgers in a second. But Green Bay is hearing nonstop questions about Aaron Rodgers, but they're also asking, where are you going to find Aaron Rodgers for not showing up for minicamp, right? Because NFL rules dictate that they can if they want to. And I don't forget the amount they can find them per day, but it's now, the, I think they, they don't want to have to. I think they technically have to now. Okay. They technically um, the new have CBA, to. Yeah. <clears throat> so there it is. They're, they don't want to have to answer questions about, okay, so you're finding him every single day. You know, what does this mean for Deshaun Watson? But I'm like you, it's so it's so stupid to hear a team and a head coach say, we got everything we need at OTAs when they're arguably the worst team in the league. And like you said before we started recording, they got like 13 quarterbacks on staff. You're, you're telling me you don't need to see some extra work out of someone who is going to replace Deshaun Watson this year? I, I just don't buy it. I think it's crap, and I think they're trying to avoid the media scandal. Yeah, is is uh is Davis Bills already got it all down? He doesn't Davis need, Bills. He doesn't need any He's work. Done. <laughs> they plug the playbook into his head like the Matrix. <laughs> like, I know look, Kung Fu. Look, we're we're screwed anyways. You guys just go have your pool party. All right. So Mike, what did we say last week? That one of the things I love and hate about this about mini camps and 
training camp and OTAs. It's hot outside. Guys are going to get in fights. Quarterbacks are going to throw a lot of interceptions. And damn it, if I'm not going back on my word, and we're going to talk about Tua throwing five interceptions, is that a problem for you? You know, so I think it was like a heavy downpour from what I've heard. Um, So that could be part of it. But I've also heard that these weren't like aggressive throws. These were just bad throws uh, where he was missing guys and putting the ball in, in dangerous positions. So, look, I'm not one to sit here and like judge practice training camp uh completion percentages and interception rates and stuff like that but like you'd rather with Tua specifically because he struggled so much last year you'd rather not see your second year quarterback throwing five picks (laughs) in uh, in a shorts you know drill where, where you have no pass rush by the way um like You'd you'd just rather not, right? I mean, like it's definitely not a good thing. Um, no matter how much people may try to spin it as, oh, well, he's just testing the limits or anything like that. Like that does not sound like what that was. Um, I think Dolphins fans should have real alarm bells going off up to uh, at this point, um, just because you, uh, there's not a whole lot of super positive things that you can hang on to with him at this point. I it just it's not looking great. It could still turn around, still a young player, but he's smelling a little Rosen-ish. <laughs> like, it's just smelling a little bit like Josh Rosen. I'm going to have to cut that part and paste it in our group chat. I know several people who are going to enjoy that comment. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to be petty, and I'm sorry that that phrase has been ruined, but I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to be a petty person this morning because there was so much talk about why in the world would Julio Jones want to go to a quarterback who's not going to be accurate with him at Ryan Tannehill? What just a lot of uninformed takes coming out of the NFL masses. And one of the bigger, one of the bigger complaints was coming out of the Northeast, New England. Why would he do that when he can go play with Cam Newton? And God, the footage of Cam Newton over the last couple of days, or at least yesterday, was horrific. This man was overthrowing everybody out there. And on short throws, too. I mean, yes. like throws i feel like i could probably come completely complete at a good rate I really, there's this narrative that mike is running with and i really want it to happen if they're going to run french out there as a tight end for the titans i want to see mike suit up mike i want to see you in pads i want to see what that dad bod can do out there listen me me and hassan french are basically the same size we're both six seven we're both about 240 pounds now his 240 pounds is a little bit different than mine. I think he's a little bit more rocked up than me. Um, but, you know. A little, I, just a touch. Just a little bit. But, look, I've been carrying around a 20-something pound baby for the last year. So, I mean, I may have that that dad strength that, you know, everybody develops just from handling a child at all times. Uh, I may be sneaky strong. I don't even know. I, I mean, I manhandle that little baby uh, consistently. And, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't tried throwing around a big man, but uh, we, we could see we could see at least if my agent, Justin Mello, would get on the phone with the Titans and, and just throw out there. Hey, I've got another six, seven, 240 pound guy who already kind of knows the offense. Uh, he could be at camp tomorrow. Just just give him a call. I'd appreciate it. You know, Mello doesn't have time for your crap. He's up in Canada. <laughs> He's dealing busy, with bag busy, milk, busy, busy riding, riding Mason or whatever the plural moose is so 
let's move to the NFC North. Um, I'm going to start with the Bears uh, because I think everybody expects us to start with the with the uh, Packers. I'm going to start with the Bears. Uh, Matt Nagy is is like doubling and tripling down that his number one QB is Andy Dalton. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. It see, it feels like an unforced error, right? Like, don't all coaches when they're asked that question just say, "Look, you know, we like Andy, we like Justin." Um, you know, we're, we're here for competition and, and we're going to start the best quarterback, the quarterback that we think gives us the best chance to win. Is that not what every coach for all time has always said? Um, why does Matt Nagy have to go double down on Andy Dalton as our starter? Justin Fields has no shot to start week one. It's stupid on multiple levels because one, you're just going to create a huge media backlash and, and look, the bears have kind of been through it. Uh, the last little bit here, um, you know, with the Trubisky thing falling apart and then the trade for Nick Foles not panning out. And you finally have a quarterback that people are excited about in Chicago for the first time since like Jay Cutler. Um, I guess that they were probably briefly excited for Trubisky, but that kind of unraveled pretty quickly. Um, but they're super excited about Justin Fields up there. Why throw cold water on all of that just, you know, immediately when you don't have to? And plus, what do you think Justin Fields thinks when he hears that it's preordained that he's going to be sitting behind this, you know, red-haired goober uh, who's been a a mediocre quarterback for, you know, a decade in the NFL uh, and, and, you know, was awful in Dallas last year? What do you think he feels like heading into training camp? Do you think he's like super motivated every day to come out here and, and work as Andy Dalton's backup? No, like at least give him the illusion that he's competing for the starting spot, right? Like if you want to get the best out of him, at least give him the idea that even if you in your mind have made up, all right, we're going to start Andy Dalton to start the season because I can't afford to, to take the lumps with a rookie quarterback from day one, even if that is how you feel. You go out there and you say, we're going to have a competition and the best quarterback will start. The quarterback that I think will win, give us the best chance to win, will start. And that gives Fields, a, uh, you know, at least a carrot out there. Hey, come to work every day, prepare like you're going to be the starter. I, just, I There's no, it's an unforced error. It's stupid. There is no reason for him to have said this. And yeah, it, it's going to continue to throw fuel on the fire Matt Nagy stuff in Chicago, and he doesn't need that smoke. I mean, he is he is oh. dragging a leg already. Uh, you know, he doesn't need to shoot himself in the other foot. And it's, I tell you, I, I didn't quite understand the hate that Bears fans have in their heart right now, but I, multiple sites and as much digging as I was doing yesterday to read about that topic, Bears fans hate Matt Nagy. I mean, there is some absolute vitriol and him deciding to run out the whole Conan O'Brien as my starting QB one is not helping things. <laughs> it's not helping at all. I'm like you give, leave it open and try to take a little bit of the heat off his seat. Cause I just don't, I, I don't see the man surviving the year. If this bear season goes to hell and uh, it, it, it doesn't look like it's going in a, in a good direction so far. No, I mean, his, his best bet really was to go, you know, embrace the field thing and, and give, give them something to hope for. And maybe the, the plan is, 
I don't think we're going to win anyways this year. So we're going to limp through with Andy Dalton and then we're going to hope we can throw on fields and he flashes enough that it buys me one more year. I don't know if maybe that's his strategy, but it just seems stupid that he's going with this approach in minicamp when he doesn't have to. Well, moving to the Packers, according to Mark Murphy, Green Bay Packers president, Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fella. And to put it into context, he threw it out there, and I'll quote this. I'm often reminded, though, of Ted Thompson. As most of you know, as a great general manager, passed away earlier this year. Thompson often talked about Aaron, that he's, uh, and it wasn't just Aaron, it was a lot of different players. He would say he's a complicated fella. So I'll just say that. And before I get your reaction, I kind of want to echo something that Paul Karski said yesterday on his show on Outkick 360 is, I think it's a little crappy to attribute a quote like that when you're going to throw fuel on a fire that doesn't need more fuel to attribute a quote to a general manager who has now passed away. He can't defend the quote and you're, you're adding problems to this already problematic marriage and attributing quotes to a dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers appears on this golf, uh, you know, promo with with Tom Brady with wearing a shirt that says "I'm offended" uh, on it. And look, Aaron Rodgers. Let's just say this: you you can like the guy, you cannot like the guy. He is an absolute master manipulator of the media cycle. Like he's so good at making these little like he everything he does is calculated. I'm convinced, and. You can't tell me that he did not put that shirt on specifically because he wanted to send a message without sending a message, right? I mean, that is exactly what he's doing. And I think it's hilarious. I, as someone who has no rooting interest one way or another with the Packers, I find the whole thing just very funny and entertaining just to see what happens with this whole scenario. Look, Ideally, he just stays in the NFC, whatever happens, because the last thing the AFC needs is one more star quarterback uh, coming over to join Patrick Mahomes and, uh, you know, everyone else. It seems like every star quarterback basically is in the AFC besides what Tom Brady, maybe. Um, So stay in the NFC first. Um, Please don't come to Denver or anything crazy like that. But uh I'm really enjoying watching this kind of soap opera between him and the Packers play out. And what it is, what is it about the Packers and their great quarterbacks? And just, they just can't, they can't leave on good terms. It, it just, it has to turn into this like messy divorce that, that, that just airs out publicly. I really want this to turn into the Vikings jettison cousins trade for Rogers. <laughs> and Packers fans just have to go through it again. It is not going to happen, but God almighty, I want it to happen. I'm like you though. Stay, keep your ass out of the AFC. Like I, I don't want, you've already got to deal with Patrick Mahomes and uh, God, now I'm blanking on a uh, Buffalo's Just, quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah. You know, there's already uh, Lamar Jackson. Right. Um, there, there's more than enough good quarterbacks in the AFC. Yeah, I don't want to have to deal with another one. And Aaron Rodgers, like you said, love him or hate him, knows how to manipulate the media. But what's that? Josh Allen. Sorry. Josh Allen. I knew I was leaving out one of the big ones. Group effort fail over here. I I just I don't want to have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, love him or hate him. The man is a damn good quarterback. 
Yeah. You put him with a couple of good wide receivers, and that's a big problem. So find a way, Green Bay. Make this work. Don't 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 punish the rest of us because you got to call the man a complicated fella. A complicated fella. Yeah, and there it, already it is some- a, a funny quote, and it is certainly uh, I I can understand why he would take that poorly. Yeah, it's just I just it, 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 they keep putting their foot in their mouth, and I just don't get it, Green Bay. I feel like Green Bay is the Bears just three years ago. In other words, like I feel like Packers fans are going to be so done with Matt LaFleur fair or foul in about two years. By the time all this mess shakes out, it's uh, it's not a good look in Green Bay. Not a good look at all. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I guess uh, final thoughts. We've got how many more? Now we're recording this on a Wednesday, just full disclosure. Um, Titans mini camp runs through Friday. Uh, third. Well, technically Thursday, but they're not going to practice on Thursday. It's kind of their tradition. They give the players the last day of mini okay. camp off before the, the long break, or they might go do something. I think in the past they've like gone bowling or they did paintball maybe one year. They usually do some sort of like team activity on the last day. Hmm. And the Texans are already down in Boca Raton, so they don't care. It's over for them. Um, We're setting up their vacation houses for uh, their early vacation uh, at the end of the season. I feel like they set up a bouncy castle and like an ice cream social. They're just trying to like talk all the Texans players into this is fine. We're good. (laughs) Just don't look at the fire on the horizon. Um, Don't worry about it. Don't don't worry about it. The zombies are at the gate. Um, So what is our, I guess, our next date for training camp? Like you said, it's in August. So we've got we got several weeks of downtime. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a little bit. Um, yeah. July, uh, July 27th for training camp. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm this, this next month and a half is always the toughest of the entire NFL calendar to me. Cause I just, I'm ready. Like the mini camp gives you a little tease and I'm primed for, you know, seeing some training camp practices, but you just don't get to see them for a little bit. And it, it's it's a tough wait because there's not really a whole lot of news usually i'm hoping aaron Rodgers and uh you know maybe a few player moves can kind of carry us uh for the next six weeks well that is going to do it for us we appreciate you tuning in as always again you can find us at broadwaysportsmedia.com come check us out and uh that's going to do it for the two of us zach should join us next week when he's done moving we're trying to be nice to him while he's moving into a new house it's always a huge pain but Uh, For Mike and I, we're out. A Broadway Sports Media Production.